We are not heroes, nor are we villains. Neither kings nor magicians, but we can tell you their stories. We are the Lore Keepers, and we welcome you to Halloween. Welcome to Halime. You are listening to Lore Keepers, a lore-building podcast where we talk about aeons of history, heroes and villains, and the forces that whirl about it all. I'm Carter. And I'm Frank. And whether you're interested in stories, looking for inspiration in your own world-building, or perhaps you want to participate, we've got something for you. This week, we're talking about astromancy, and wherever that is. But first, <laughs> Frank, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing okay. My uh, my weekend's been pretty good. Had a great game night. Played some Carcassonne. Yesterday, I played some uh, tabletop simulator with my girlfriend, which was actually really great. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. We played a game that was about bears. It was basically Bear Tetris. What? I I really like bears. Okay. Like I re- I really like like if I like bears the way that some people like dogs. You like like bears? I. I would buy a bear and raise it from being a cub as a pet if I could. If it could fit through your door. If it could fit through any door. Any door. It's just any door whatsoever. I mean, it could probably fit through a garage door. I I have looked up. I know that there are literally uh you can sponsor a bear the same way that you could sponsor like an, an impoverished yeah, yeah, or, yes, um, so, I mean, my, I don't know, my, my duty to my, like, to, to humankind kind of takes precedence over that, but I've basically vowed myself that if I, like, started investing in, uh, like, charitable acts or whatever, like, that I would, I feel, I feel a responsibility to invest in ones that benefit humans first, and then... And then bears. And then bears, immediately afterwards, yes. Okay. But I would absolutely sponsor a bear in a heartbeat. I like bears. Well, well, I for one am glad that you are taking up the mantle of humanity first before bears. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy with how cute and wonderful and powerful bears are. You admire them for their power? I admire them for many things. Okay. So we're going to just leave that there. And I'm going to talk about my, my, my day. Yes. How, how, is, how have you been? Uh, I have not been sleeping as well as I uh, ha- would would like, but that's simply because I've just been so busy. Like, you know, Friday, I'm chilling, I invite some friends over, but I'm like, look guys, I've got to be somewhere in the morning, so we got to, you know, mm. cut this off at like, you know, 10, 10.30. Yeah, I got to record a, a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> this was, this was, <laughs> was Friday. It, was it Aikido this morning? Uh, yes, but um, the space was being used, so we just went and had breakfast. But it, no, I'm talking about Friday night. So, you know, friends come over, and one friend that I invited but didn't RSVP, you know, typically they're mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, I'll be there or whatever, but he didn't. Uh, comes mm-hmm. in after everyone else is here, and we've just been chatting for like 20 minutes. He's like, all right, boys, you're all invited to the Shakespeare in the Park party 
Let's go. Ooh. Wait, what? Yeah. Oh. And I'm like, well, so I So you, end you ended up going? So I ended up going, got home around like one. Oh, wow. Then woke up at like seven to then drive an hour to an Aikido seminar. And then, you're right, this is Saturday now. I get back from the seminar at like four, uh, eat dinner with my friend who also went to the seminar with me. Uh, mm-hmm. Then we both do D&D. <laughs> Oh, hell yeah. Yep. Then I go to bed at like, you know, 1130 or 12, get up for Aikido, and now I'm here. <laughs> Man, you've had a crazy, yeah, you've had a crazy weekend. Yep, and you know what? Full of stuff to do. Still not done yet. I got a date at four, so we got to fucking get going. Oh, yeah, no, let's, uh, yeah, no, we've got, you've only got like, I actually don't even know how many hours that, like That's five four hours. hours after we record yeah, or something. I got five hours. Yeah, okay. Yeah, not a lot of time to prepare for a exactly. date. Exactly. do my yeah. hair, man. Yeah, I gotta do your hair, get your nails done, get that mani-pedi, the, um, spit shine your car. What? And buy a new pair of shoes. Frank, what is yeah. astromancy? Oh, come come on. Now, 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 you wouldn't, you wouldn't. You got you gotta you gotta ease into it. You know you gotta be smooth. If you're gonna go out on a date tonight, Carter, you gotta learn how to be smooth. We need a we need a. So speak, speaking of shoes, speaking of shoes, you know shoes are a lot like uh, when we walk around the world, we use shoes, and shoes are the way that we interact with the world. But there are other ways to interact with the world in Halume. Not the just life. shoes. Uh, no, uh, there's also magic and, uh, certain forms of magic, which allow you to change the world around you. Almost like how your footprints change you as a person. If you really think, if you really think about it, you know, if, if you really think about it. And that magic is astromancy. So what is astromancy? (laughs) That's a great question, Carter. What is astromancy? Astromancy. So I'm glad I'm glad you asked. I'm also glad. Hi, welcome. So astro mm, ast- astromancy. Yeah, Assman for short. Yep. Okay. 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 Uh, Carter and I, I, I kind of came up with this concept of astromancy a long time ago, but it only got this proper name more recently uh, when. Carter and his uh, and some of the other players that he was playing with ran into it in a campaign. So the idea, the idea, basic. Oh man, how do we break this down? <laughs> the the idea basically starts with warping space time through magic. All right, I like. That. I think I it like just did actually. Boom. There we go. That that's pretty much the the like crux of the situation right there, huh? I imagine that most applications of this require a lot of power. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is, and this is actually something we should probably talk about. So, the original, like, context of where this came from was, I was curious about, I got this idea, and I don't think I can explain all of this, even in this episode, because I think it would just be a little, I don't know, it'd actually get in the way, but I was playing with this idea of alternate planes, right? And so, in, in a lot of world building, and specifically D&D, there's a lot of play with different planes of reality or 
different interactions. And so I thought, well, what if there was a place where it actually wasn't another plane of reality? What if it was a different way of looking at the plane of reality you're already in? And the way I described it to Carter is like, so we, we as people know that, what is it? Some, something like, I don't know the actual number, but I'm just going to throw out like, it's some, probably something like 99.97% of all of reality is empty space, right? Like molecules, yeah. the, the physical mass of molecules takes up so little space. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, the, the gist of it is just that molecules are very, very small, right? And that when we look at our hands or whatever, like most of that is just empty space. And the only thing that's actually holding it together is uh, electromagnetic bonds between different molecules and also the strong, the strong and the weak force. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but gravity actually doesn't do that much for molecular level stuff. It does basically nothing. So obviously we're mixing our, our, you know, mediums here when we are throwing science and magic in together, but we kind of already have done that for a long time, you know? Yep. A little a little jungle juice. Okay. So, okay. So, anyways, here's here's where the idea came from, basically. What if you were able to somehow cut away a chunk of 3% of all of space around us in X, Y, and Z coordinates, like forward, back, left, right, and up, down, and you were able to take that space and, and shrink it apart? So, for instance, what would happen... Let's imagine that this was to happen to a person. That means that your body's molecular structure would be spread out over, you know, something that's, I don't know, maybe like not quite a thousand times as, uh, as large. So several thousand feet or whatever. Basically, you'd become a gas cloud. You know, each of your molecules would be super, super far away from each other. And the idea is... What if they were able to do that, but you still maintain your the bonds with each other, so they still interact with each other, even across that massive distance? Then that means that like you could basically pass through objects, everything would seem unreal to you, and also everything would seem much, much smaller. And so that was kind of like where this started, was this idea of basically being able to... You become much, much more blown out. All of your particles are very far away from each other. And as a result, your perception of all things, though the fact that you remain as a, as a being intact, your brain still functions perfectly normally, everything of the world seems like a mist to you and becomes like much, much more reduced. Literally smaller. Uh, because you, you, your perception is, is much, much larger. And then that kind of just started me thinking about like, what if there were ways where you could warp perceptions of space-time through magic in different sorts of ways. Like, maybe you aren't super tall, but everything is really squashed together, meaning, like, you know, there's... You know, and then I thought about, like, the people who existed in this way being able to actually, like, build tiny chunks of cities by taking a chip out of one brick here and, you know, another thing there. And it's it's all pretty complicated to describe, so maybe we sh- I should just... Yeah, we should just take a step back and just start with like manipulating space time through magic. Yeah, maybe give an so do example. We th- do you think we should do a precursor of like what space time is? Just like really, really simply, uh, trampoline bowling ball situation. Uh, I mean, if you want to know what that is, fucking Google space time and read the Wikipedia article. I suppose. Uh, yeah, you know, honestly, well, honestly, space time on Wikipedia is probably more complicated. I would say just search for like a two minute explainer of space time on YouTube. Basically, simply put, it's the fabric of existence. 
Think of it as that. Yeah, and this is like a real concept. This is a thing that like scientists figured out. It basically just means that um, like Einstein was smart enough where he, I don't know, he was able to make the leap that light, can, the, the, the direction of light traveling, it, like it's, it's a vector, but it can be bent by gravity. And so he described it like, imagine if you were shooting a marble across of a, uh, across a trampoline. Uh, and it, you know, just rolls pretty straight because there's no different forces acting on it. But if you were to stick a bowling ball in that, something very heavy like maybe a sun or whatever, and then fire that same light or actually any matter for that uh, in that situation, um, then like that would it would start to curve towards the bowling ball, maybe even like swinging around it or you know hitting it. And that's like basically just how gravity works. Yep. Pretty pretty simple explainer. So how? Does, so anyways, how can I already. Magic? Yeah, I already I already got on a, a tangent here. Where do you think we should start with this? I think we should start with an example of what it is. Because it seems pretty arcane at the moment. And yes, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Um, no, I can totally get that. Um, yeah, so I think with... Uh, hmm. A simple example... Well, okay, so the examples that I already have are maybe a little... Let's start with them and then try and approach something more simple. Okay. So one of the examples that I had was uh, there is, in the world of Halime, a staff around which orbits the three moon sisters. Not like models of them or, uh, you know, like like little little like chunks of like the moons themselves. And not representations of them. Yeah, the literal moons. Like if you reached out and touched it, you'd be touching the moon itself. Which is why they're also very cold. And how uh, big? Is well, this maybe staff? I don't know. The staff is uh, I don't know six, maybe seven feet long. The people who wield it are kind of tall. There you go. So the way that this, I mean, like the moons, they only appear to be a couple inches tall in this situation, but it's basically because the space somehow the magic used to enchant and create this staff has warped the space around the moon so that when you reach out to touch it your molecules spread over its entire surface, basically making you into a gas that can't really actually affect it. Like, as and as a result, you know, you also are, uh, you know, you're, you know, you're not actually able to affect it because you're literally just using, you know, one molecule of your finger for per, you know, I don't know, 10 miles or something like that. It's not like you're going to be able to move a body that massive that way. You're not even going to get close. But somehow the space around this thing has been warped. So it's like you look if you looked up at the night sky, you'd still see the moons. But if you look down at that staff, so too is it right there because something has been done to space time to manipulate it to appear that way. So that's sort of like the complicated example. But I don't that's that's from an extremely advanced society that is kind of like a lost civilization situation. So yeah, like where what would be a better starting point? Warping like, maybe? Like dimension door or something? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, so dimension door is a spell where basically you just like create all wormhole and then move from one space to another. Is it does it literally show up as a door? Uh, I think it does. Oh, that's fun. That. Yeah. I don't even know if that's a wormhole then. I mean, who knows? But we'll just say for the sake of this, just think of it as a wormhole. If you don't know what a wormhole is, unfortunately, I don't think we can explain all of this stuff to you. Just look no. it up. It's actually probably not very complicated. Wait, wait. Uh... Conceptually, at least. 
It doesn't specifically say whether it's a door or not. It just says you teleport yourself. Oh, okay. Well, let's just start, start like, obviously there's some really crazy stuff you can do with regards to making things appear, making things be in two different places at once. Or, or it's less, it's less that, it's like, it's like tweaking space-time to take a chunk of this space around something, or like interacting with it, and bringing it closer to you. It'd be kind of like... I don't know, a game dev working on the mesh of a landscape and just taking some random articulate points and just pulling them all the way over to some other point on the landscape. Yeah, but surely then you'd only take a part of the thing rather than the thing Well, itself. because space-time in this situation is theoretically continuous. This is hard to talk about. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not even getting it, and I'm part of the podcast. I know. Uh, I mean, I feel like it's just part of it is because it's in my head. So maybe... What if we... Hmm. We could talk about the implications of astromancy, like what it what it might mean. There's got to be like a more approachable way to. What to are the things you can one. do with it? Like you mentioned, dimension door, which is a teleportation spell. Yeah. What does that look like? Yeah, let's make this. Let's like, like let's actually confine this into Halumian tor- terms because it still feels like we're talking about the theory of it. So yeah, dimension door. Um, you could. Uh, I think probably a lot of like planar magic so like planar binding when you're bringing something from another plane it's probably about making an interaction with that plane and then uh summoning something through it probably what? summoning spells use a little bit of astromancy in them or at least are cousins to it what about banishment banishment yeah would be the same uh, same concept uh astral projection definitely is i mean it's in the name yeah and so i mean and and i think it largely deals with like macro scale the largest governing forces that are, we would say, the most, like, sort of theoretical physics of the world of Halume. I think that, I mean, the kind of things that people would use this for, it, it is, it does exist in some way in, in sort of, like, the the, the major nations, um, you know, the nations of Everast, which is, you know, kind of the most developed, focused continent that we've talked about. Although, you know, although, of course, it is is far more advanced than these other civilizations, it is at least understood on some level to be used for magics like this. Yeah, I, I think here here is an interesting one. So do you know the, like, typical example of the wizard's tower? I mean, sure. I mean, yeah, a, a tower where a wizard works. Yeah, but I mean, it's often more than just that. It's typically like, it seems to always dominate the skyline of the city, yet... Obviously, it can't because the city's huge and, like, you know, mm, it's not sure, exactly yeah. how that works, but yeah. it's always visible. And so you're like, what's going on there? And then when you get to it, you realize it's not a million feet tall. It's just only, you know, like maybe 10 stories at most. Oh, I like that. Yes, yes, yes. It explains that kind of thing. We're basically the, the, like, the magician has cast a spell over the skyline of the city so that when you look up, it kind of like adjusts you know, you could say light or your view or whatever you want to put in there, but basically it, it, it changes the way that you literally look across it and so that it always peeks up over the other buildings, maybe even the castle. Yeah. Actually, a king would probably be pretty upset about that, so I would imagine a king would probably well, maybe stop the, it if they knew how. Maybe the wizard is the real power, but in any case... Yeah, I mean, oh, there's definitely majocracies exactly. in Halome. Uh, in but... This is just a, kind of a simple way of saying, like, look, this is just perspective shift in a way, but it's 
astromancy, right? Because you're bending light or you're like literally changing how the tower is in space. Yeah. And, and like there's, you know, there's the whole thing, you know, if you think about, what is it? Lord of the Rings. There's the thing where like elves can see over the curve of the earth. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, I don't know if that's exactly right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I remember seeing somewhere where it was basically like uh, Tolkien. I don't know if it was Tolkien basically was just saying like that the distance that they could see, they would be seeing through the curve of the earth, like and somebody figured that out. Or it would be the fact that like, I think he even said something where it's just like simply that uh, elves vision is not affected by the curve of the earth. Really? I haven't heard. This. Yeah. Which is like bizarre implications and i saw a very kind of humorous but informative uh series of posts where people were trying to figure out what the hell that meant well let me tell you a little bit about the elves and why this kind of makes sense okay now sure you've yeah. done this you did this you oh no this. i i brought this on myself i knew yeah. exactly what i was getting into i was like well here this is this is gonna be a thing uh for all you flat earthers, earthers out there in tolkien's world it was flat but it became curved, it became spherical when, uh, uh, oh, when I was about to say own, that's our boy, <laughs> when Eru or Iluvatar made it so, so as to not allow men and other evil creatures to be able to get to the heaven, the heaven continent? Yeah, the heaven continent, right. Valinor. Right. Valinor, yeah. right. Which is where the elves came from. Yes, and... The only people that can still, right, they say, uh, take the straight road, because, right, straight, not curved, mm -hmm. uh, sure. are the elves. Right, right. And so I think, I guess this is because they were born, right, into the world before it was, well, I mean, men were also born into the world before it, but I guess elves are just more connected to Valinor. Well, they, they're from Valinor, aren't they? And not all of them. Not all of them are, okay. Yes, so basically how it worked was when the elves woke up, they woke up in Middle Earth, and uh, mm -hmm. a good many of them went with the god, the gods to heaven and then so, then some of them came back and those were the big players in lord of the rings were the the ones who came back to middle earth and then again left at some later point like galadriel and elrond actually mm -hmm. elrond's okay. a weird case because his dad did it hmm. yeah but basically galadriel herself has been to heaven and her husband and her husband her partner i'm gonna say partner caleb caleb no 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 I was going to be surprised Celeborn. there. Celeborn. Celeborn. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he also comes from there. Uh, huh. Not their children, you know, not their dads, but them specifically. But also their parents. And so it makes sense for them, but, like, I don't really know, understand, like, because Legolas is a lot of seeing in Lord of the Rings, but he's never been there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, as far as the whole curved sight thing does, I was just more kind of, like, lifting it up as an example of... You know, I don't know. It's been done before, kind of. Maybe we should. I mean, I think I think that the the thing that's that's becoming that's difficult to talk about this is. Yes, it is theoretical, but more than that, it is is it is also theoretical in that. It's theoretical in the way that it is theor like physically theoretical, but it's also theoretical in the way that we haven't really like actually applied it to Helame in any real way yet. I mean, yes, there is an ancient race, and yes, we have this generic idea of a wizard, but we should stuff, uh, or, or some, some, get some real, like, Lumian stuff attached to this. How was it discovered? And 
who uses it a lot? Is there a guild of astromancy? Is there, um, let's, let's you know, are there famous this. people? Let's connect yeah, this back up with our last episode. Oh, yeah. With Spans Gate. and whatnot? Well, yeah, it's going to be Spans Dishkul? as well. But no, I'm, I'm referring specifically to Dishkul. That gate absolutely is an artifact of, ast- of astromancy, right? You because walk, it, it's... You walk through it, and suddenly you're somewhere else. Hmm. Does that imply, then, that, like, walking through the gate takes you to, like, all these different quasi-planes that are different from each other, and, like, each time you retrieve something, it's actually somehow using astromancy to connect you to... I think that's maybe, uh, like, thinking about it too deeply, but I do I do understand what you're saying. Yeah. So, and- okay, so these artifacts definitely existed from, like, before. I mean, I'm guessing it's something that pe- the people of Avum Prima just, like, knew. Yeah, this is something that, like, you know, like everything else in Avum Prima, was taken for granted and just always used for cool stuff. Shenanigans. Yeah, yes. Quick, quick catch-up for everyone. Um, uh, Dish Ghoul and all that stuff. Just check out last episode. If you're wondering what we're talking about, and then with the Avum stuff, uh, Avum Prima is just kind of like uh, the age, the golden hour, the go- like era of perfection. Everybody is smart and good at everything and magical and perfect. And, and so, so, you know, it, it's the Atlantean era, if you want to think of it that way. I think uh, astromancy is definitely one of these magics where most of the knowledge about how to use it properly was lost with most of the knowledge about the world. Yeah, and I think that it was harder to come back to, you know, like, like other other stuff. I I don't know if the 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 mental models exist to think about astromancy the exactly. way that they do. Like this is a this is there are societies that probably are only just discovering the concept of a vacuum. You know, the idea of there being uh, if you suck all the air out of a tube that there's nothing in it. Yes, you know, the idea of nothing of pure empty space. Right. Yeah. So. Hmm. <coughs> So, yeah, how did it get rediscovered? I think that that would be kind of a, a, like a more interesting kind of fun way of, of approaching this. I'm guessing, do you think it was the era of high magic or do you think it was more modern than that? Uh, let's do more modern. Okay. Do you think, I mean, uh, this actually might be not a bad time to kind of mention like the practical sciences of, you know, the natural sciences of, uh, of Halume. Or what do they, what they, they, they would probably call it natural philosophy, right? Yeah. So, like, uh, let's see. So, the, the, the general context here is, um, in Halume, specifically, on, like, on Sadar, you have a lot of universities, mages, college, uh, ma- you know, magicians, academies, and, and, like, hedge schools where people can learn about, like, magic. You know, episode six is a good example of that. You know, we have, you've got guilds and things, but... Um, the sciences, uh, uh, they conversely, like, don't actually, you don't actually have that many people who pursue them in comparison beca- uh, to, to how much magic is present. Um, and that's because magic is seen as being, I don't know, woven into just about everything and can immediately benefit a, a life. Whereas, well, I guess that's not fair to say. I would say that the sciences, they're just, it's harder to see how exactly practical that they are because they're typically... You know, the sciences of any society, uh, you know, especially on Earth, are usually the tip of a spear from which advancements percolate down into into the rest of the... You know, somebody has to break the ice first, and then the rest of everyone benefits from the line. Yeah. And I think that there's often overlap between magicians and those who practice natural philosophy. Yeah, well, and also we can't we can't ignore the fact that in Halume those things are inextricably linked. Of course. The natural philosophies of Halume are magical. 
Yes. Because magic can influence them. And so, uh, so, okay. So anyways, yeah. So like uh, during the third, you know, Avum Tertius, there's, there's like, you know, a lot of high magic people are just figuring out how societies work. So there's probably not a lot of, well, I don't know. Honestly, I feel like it's almost unfair to the sciences that we've kind of ignored them for this long. What I was going to say is that like universities and academies for learning the sciences, they do exist. I don't know if they would be disconnected from magic. I mean, I it almost makes me wonder. I think they're connected. If there's almost like this contentious relationship between people who consider themselves to be like studious, you know, scientists who, you know, they're almost like they're they're almost like uh, uh, what do you call the people who don't use technology? Luddites. Luddite is a word. I mean, it, it is. It does describe what you're talking about. I'm just thinking of the people who, like, basically don't use internal combustion engines or anything that was developed after, like, the 1830s or whatever. Mountain men and women. I don't know. There's, like, a religious sect that does that. Luddites were religiously motivated to destroy their... No, yeah, I know, but this stuff. is this is more modern. Okay. The Amish. I'm thinking of the Amish. Oh, okay. I don't know if you have Amish in, down in Florida, but we no. definitely have them up here. Nope. I don't know, like, that's probably a bad example, but what do you think the relationship is between science and magic? You think that it's it's pretty, like, in, intrinsically connected? I think that people that do science, 70% of the time, do magic as well. Yeah. And I, I, I almost, you know, I want to rephrase it. The people that do magic also do science. That's the order. Yeah. I've never had to really think about this in this world before. Like, okay, so let, let's just put it this way. Ecology, biology... Um, physics, those literal concepts, like they would be taught in universities more rarely than magics because magics are like, the magics are things that you can literally take the same spell and replicate it. And like, obviously, you know, a person's going to have to transcribe it in their own way in a spell book, but there are methods and theories and things for that, that are, I would argue a lot more mass producible than a lot of the um, discoveries and inventions and, and percolations of the sciences. But Frank, there's a, there's a problem here. Yeah, what, uh, what, what are you thinking? There are going to be, given how rare magic is, there mm-hmm. are, you know, magical talent is. There About are going two and a half be, percent? Yeah, there are going to be people who are incredibly intelligent, but have no magical ability. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or pr- uh, like effectively none, because technically everybody can influence yeah, magic in some way. But it's you know it's the only that two and a half percent who can really do anything with it. Yes. Hmm. So those are the people that we're going to see in these. Well, I mean, those people might go into be merchants, or those people might go into be you know um, rulers, like you know politically. Yeah. No, that's a that's a good point because practically you do have to think about it that way. Yeah. That in in this world here oh yeah so that like it, it's there's the, for the same reason that the sciences weren't something that like you were just sending out your farmer's child to you know to go do in the middle ages because it was an extremely like non-supportable thing unless you had patrons or family money or something like that so it would make sense that during the age of capitalism in Halome, like maybe within the last several hundred years there's been like a concerted effort to actually pursue these these concepts from a non-magical starting point. Yeah, I think this. I think science, as we understand it, is mm-hmm. is incredibly new, even to Avum Quintus. Wow, that's actually kind of cool. Yeah, and I think before we've had like you know the classic noble like British gentleman science guy. 
Uh-huh. But, but not like the gritty, uh, like a Socratic method, you know, kind of uh, rigor. The scientific rigor that has that that kind of more defines the modern sciences. Yeah, and I think I think we see more of the like rigorous stuff far far back in like small remote corners of places, kind of like um, kind of like oof, give me a second, um, Rorark. We see like little bastions of science before Avon Quintus, but Avon Quintus yeah. is where it's like it's mainstream now. But even then, it was almost like an occultic science. You know, yeah, it was like this alchemy. idea of like, yeah, yes, it was like alchemy or it was seen as probably almost the way that we see magic in an inverted way. I, I think we should take a second to talk about like, because I think that like in the mind, there bloom I like implicit things that kind of everybody generally agrees that separate ideas of magic from ideas of science. But I think we need to take a second to actually name them because otherwise like it'll, it'll enrich this conversation because like, okay. So like what actually is when we think of magic, why is it that, I don't know, in the world of Halime, magic allows you to basically speak into things and just, it doesn't, it requires same energy same as anything else but it allows you to affect things in a much more complicated and hierarchical way than you could ever do with your bare hands yeah like it's a much more fine tool and i think the thing about it is that the way that you understand the world through magic is relationally but not objectively you know like you have to learn the true names of things you have to uh you have to like true names are objective my friend that's true I mean, I guess then it gets down to, like, the root of reality is yep. almost kind of Teilhardian in, uh, in, in, in Helme. Oh, sorry. Do you know, have you, have you run into Chardon? Um, Teilhard de Chardon, the, uh, the philosopher, he was a, I don't know if he was a philosopher. I mean, he was a geologist, a Jesuit priest who got excommunicated in the 1800s. Okay. Very brilliant man. You should check him out sometime. I think you'd like him as a philosopher. He had this idea about, uh, he called it creative union where basically all things in reality are uh, effectively union at their, at their cent, you know, central identity. The union man. Yeah. Well, I mean, basically the idea that like molecules bonding enriches their identity, you know, literally like oxygen and hydrogen have aspects, but their aspects become much more unique and complicated um, when they bond and turn into water, which has so many unique properties that we don't see elsewhere in the universe. Anyways. Um, don't forget pa- where, why we're doing this. We're talking about astromancy? Yeah. The reason yeah. why astromancy as a magic fell off and fell out into disuse and misunderstand and, un- and oh my gosh, I just died. <laughs> and fell into... Um, Welcome to my world. Yeah, fell into just like a lack of comprehension is because of this lack of comprehension of the sciences. Understanding how space works mm, was necessary for shit. performing astral magic. Astral magic. Yeah. And we and because, right, Halume as a whole lost this knowledge of how reality itself works, they lost the magic. Especially because it's not very observable. Even with magic, like this isn't the kind of thing you can just pick up on. The warping of space is not because because space in and of itself is the inobservable thing. You know, it is the thing that is like the vacuum. So what, you know, what is in there when you take everything out uh, else out of the vacuum tube? Nothing. You know, that's the point. 
that fabric is the only thing that actually runs through that space, meaning like, I don't know, magic probably also runs through it. And so that's probably how Astromancy is able to interact with that stuff. Um, but what that implies then is that people were working from, starting from what, excuse me, what they could see, and then they were working to more and more esoteric things, unless somebody had a breakthrough, which, yeah, maybe that breakthrough came in, in like a couple hundred years into Avum Quintus or something. Yeah. So, I don't know, the sciences, I mean, I guess I'm just like, it's this is really hard to talk about because when I say the sciences, the natural philosophies, if you will, you know, the things that are like the actual studies of biology and whatnot, they probably weren't ignored, but they were so subsumed into the study of magic and the, their interactions therein that it almost like feels like wrong to use the word science to describe what that is because it's not what we think of when we think of science in the real world. You know, because everything that they would describe is like, oh, well, this flower blooms or whatever. Like, that would be the first paragraph of a dis dissertation that gets into, like, why this flower is good for this kind of magic or something. And, like, immediately takes it into unrelatable territory for us. So I almost wonder if it's, like, if it's a different word. Okay. You lost me. Yeah. No, I, I guess I'm basically just saying, like, what we think of as science in our world is probably not what they think of as science in their world. Yeah. Or what they true. think of as science in their world comes with so many trappings. Like it is not it is not um you cannot separate it out. It's not something where you can like draw a line and say here's where magic ends, here's where science begins. And I thought that I could do that, but I don't think that that actually makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah, you can't they're do they're that. totally mixed together. Not even a water and oil situation. The kind of things we understand about science nowadays certainly are not in Avon Quintus. I, th I would say, like, they're in 15 to 1700 territory. Of, like, you know, alchemy's, like, just going Oh, yeah, like. yes. Yeah, I mean, obviously there are, um, there are other, like, glimpses at other things, and it's not a clear one-to-one -one because they do have a concept of space-time, which was, you know, what, like the 1900s, you know, the beginning of the 1900s yeah. when Einstein figured that shit out. So, you know, they do have, you know, it's not a perfect one-to-one -one comparison, but yes, in general, their, their technological level, yeah, during Avon Quintus is kind of like the sunset of the 17th century, beginning of the 18th century. Yeah, but all this is to say that astromancy has, it has been long gone and is just making, making its return. Yeah. And I think that honestly, I would I would expect that it has something to do with the gnomes. I think that the gnomes are the big like the big I mean exclusion innovators. to this whole concept because they are so yeah, they're they're rigorous, they're eccentric, they are and they're obsessed with the queerness of the of like reality around them. You know, their whole thing is like you know, we kind of mentioned when we were talking about the uh the Dosumai and the progenitors of the dwarves that like one of the things potentially is that being so surrounded by magic at such an early time uh, may have like literally shifted the development of gnomes to become fixated on strange curiosities in a way that other races like are not. Yes. And so, I mean, and also the gnomes are attributed to like have discovered many of the stars and, and, uh, and uh, planets in this, like in the rest of the system. Yeah. Cause I'm sure they did telescopes. They did. Uh, they actually, so they were financed by, 
um, the elves. And so the uh, there's sort of bad blood between them because the elves claim the discoveries uh, of some, at least I think three or four of them until they got out from underneath the thumb of them. The gnomes have, you know, kind of some some old bitterness about this because it was it was gnomish astronomers who discovered it through elven telescopes. Oh, uh, yeah. And so there's some argument and debate as to, like, who, like, what instrument or what person was actually responsible for discovering that stuff. Oh, God, this reminds me of Tycho Brahe and Kepler. Oh, gosh. Do you know anything about that story? Uh, no, I don't. Oh, my God. I recommend you look it up. But basically, the premise is Tycho Brahe was a super rich guy who had, like, his own fucking island that was given to him by his, like, like... Uh, second cousin who was a king and just like kept oh funding gosh. him to be an astronomer but he was uh-huh. kind of really bad at it but he oh, made I'm these sure. like super precise excellent measurements and just that's like basically all he did because he didn't really huh. he couldn't figure out what to do with them but he's like he de- I definitely need these measurements and then he took on Kepler as an apprentice and Kepler was brilliant right, right. He made a lot of laws of fucking planetary motion as I'm sure you know mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. But Tiger Brave was also fucking insane, partied all the time, had a silver nose because his original one was cut off in a war, and had a pet moose that Jesus. died after getting drunk and falling down a staircase. Holy shit, are you serious? Yes. Why haven't they made a movie or a series of, like, a short series? I would watch a BBC about this. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> exactly. God damn, a moose that died after a drunken bender? Yep. I want to fucking watch that. Yep. No, this no, sounds no, great. No, on, no just a, on some island that uh, his king second cousin bought for him yep fuck yep man i i like we need to write shit that crazy sometimes yeah, we need to stick that in how really yeah seriously but it'll be it's our taiko it'll be like a fucking blink dog or something who knows yeah i mean we could we could totally do that with uh with uh with gnomes and elves oh, though yeah. for sure there was like an elf that took a gnome on as their uh you know as their apprentice or something God, I don't know. We haven't really done anything with astromancy. Gotta... Yeah, that's the hard part, is it's... Like, we've talked a little bit about the examples, but the examples are just so hard to get our heads around. Yeah. I think the implications of it are just kind of, like... Infinite. Hazardous? and Like, narratively hazardous. Yes. Because if somebody got their hands on the ability, they could, like, warp armies at will. I mean, it'd be very difficult to do... This is the kind of thing I imagine, like, the basics of what we have nowadays with regard to astromancy are, like, like, like for example, the Wizard's Tower I mentioned before, but also, like, within the tower itself. Like, when you open, a, you know, one of the random doors and you walk out into, like, a beautiful garden under the sun. And it's like, well, this is weird. Yeah, like, yeah, walking through one door and ending up somewhere else. It's like what you were talking about with, um... With uh, with with Dishgul that you came up yeah. with last week, which was I, I, we're still going with that. That was very good. I like that. So, yeah, warping space, warping doors. Uh, I think teleportation and like linking spaces is mm-hmm. what astromancy is in Aven Quintus. It's distorting perspectives, teleportation, and linking places, which is a kind of teleportation, but it's like you know a yeah. little bit different. So then maybe ma- making this a little bit more approachable and like this is at this point, it, you know, we're just kind of having a discourse. I'm not too worried about it having to be perfect, you know, examples of astromancy. But I, I think uh, I think what I'm curious about is like then what are the implications of like warping or teleportation magics in Halame? So obviously we have 
you know, it could be kind of cool where, okay, so you know how, like, there's planar, uh, planar travel, and, and in order to do that, you need to have, a, uh, like, a tuning, tuning fork, fork that's yeah. attuned to a specific resonance of a different plane? Yeah. Which I'm totally keeping that. There's no way that I can do better than that. That's such a cool idea. Yeah. I think that maybe there's something similar to that that people do uh, or have started to, ex- like, test with um, travel from one city to another. Like, for instance, in uh, Carbill Gun, there's a uh, a literal ward called the Ward of the Waygates, and it's heavily, heavily monitored, and, tra- like, and um, there is, it's actually, it Carbogun is arguably- a very large Dwarven city. Yes, uh, it is, it is, like, basically the homehold of the richest nation in the world. It's New York. Yeah, it's like New York. Or maybe London during the, you know, during- I guess when would that be? That wouldn't really be the Renaissance. During the 1700s? Were they were they still a really big deal Let's then? just say London during the time of the British Empire. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, but yeah, basically, so the War of the Waygates is incredibly heavily monitored, though, and uh, arguably maybe even more protected than the king himself. Because, like, the implications of being able to move into any of these waygates and, like, reach other places are so massive and far-reaching. They they have embassies there from uh, all sorts of different planes. Um, but more specifically, they have ways of moving through this one, through the, the Materium, the Prime Material Plane. And I think it makes me wonder if there's, like, are there waygates in other large cities? Are, they, are there waygates in other places? And if so, like... What's stopping, you know, the, like the King Moradin from from seeking out using those as forms of transportation to like further facilitate his empire? You know, I, like why wouldn't he want that technology to just be like put on fucking boats so that things can just like warp across into another bay and then just like carry goods across? Well, that's the, that's it. I just think that transporting large amounts of let's just let's just go to science again. Transporting mm-hmm. high mass or massive mm-hmm. things requires significantly more energy and i think it's a it's a it's not hyperbolic it's parabolic or it's um what do they call that when you have exponential oh like exponentially more difficult exactly so basically it's like you know oh a person requires you know x but a um a boat or like you know a boat full of fucking cargo requires x to the x (laughs) oh hey so i just had a thought what's that i don't know this is maybe this is one way of doing this so maybe, so you know how I was mentioning that like magic and be- because of the nature of magic, like Halume as the cosmos is inherently relational. Yes. What if the thing that this progenitor race that we've been talking about did that, that allowed them to do stuff like have the planet warp or whatever, like have the moon orbiting around uh, a staff is like literally, what if they lied to the cosmos what if they somehow basically got past the the naming and got a way where where by deception they you know because like there's like you know these sort of these these laws that say oh well you can't do this right you can't warp space in this way or if you do it you have to expend this much energy this progenitor race actually just said oh that's okay we're not doing that we're doing this other thing magic And so what we're doing, you know, it's almost like through the complexity of their words and like the way that they weave the spell, they somehow figured out a way where they don't actually have to speak the true names of things or like they don't have to. They use demonstrative pronouns. 
Yeah, or like they 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 were suggestive or something, or they just outright figured out how to lie, and as a result, by using like deception in magic, they were able to warp reality because it it almost makes sense too because it it's like you know turning cheat codes on in Skyrim and changing like set you know set scale or whatever where it starts to break the game down if you do it too much because you're literally fucking with like the source code. Yeah, and I like the idea of um being incre- so incredibly clever about weaving so specifically like you know stuff that they can do things right much quote unquote cheaper than the mm-hmm. expected magical cost would be but i don't like the idea that they can lie to a fundamental force what if they could lie to a fundamental force because they were outside of it again that would just that wouldn't be them lying that just be they wouldn't be bound by it hmm. because they're outside of it but I think the fundamental forces of the universe are things that cannot be lied to. Oh, I, at this point, it's like, hmm. I feel like you know some of this, but you don't know the whole picture. And I don't really want to say much more because if you knew what I knew, it would make sense. I don't know. You might you might still push back against it. but So I'll set it down for now. But I do think I, I like the idea of there being almost like they're weaving their magic so small and so tiny that like... It's almost like trying to, to, you know, make gravity behave on the quantum level. Like, it's just, it, it breaks down. And so it's almost like this perfect smooth magic of, uh, of like, these larger scale things. They just get into the really, like, small minutiae of extremely specific examples or something. Like, points of space or whatever. And the magic, it, like, struggles to keep up with what they're trying to do. I don't know. It's, again, still very, very loose, very theoretical, but yeah. I do like the idea of, of beings who can lie to that source code. I think that that's a very difficult road to go down on. Yeah. And I think that for astromancy, uh, we we need to stick to its understanding in Avon Quintus if we're going to talk about it, because it's just too hard to talk about it if we don't. That's That's fair. And, and I think the only thing about lying to it is, like, just understand, like, it's it's incredibly dangerous implications. It could collapse on you any moment, and the only reason that it doesn't is because they know what the hell they're doing. Yes, but, I mean, I'm willing to say, and just put this in here, that they've made mistakes before, and that might be why we have three Moon Sisters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, that's where it went. Oh, I like that. That's decided. Um, should we just say it? We, I think we could just say it. Yeah, go for it. Okay, a couple of weeks ago, Carter had the idea of what if there were four Moon Sisters and something happened to the fourth. And I really like that. Um, and maybe even, dude, maybe even just in really old texts, there was a mentions of uh, of like the fourth Moon Sister or something like that. And, and people were like, oh, it must have been, been a comet or something. Yeah, and, and everyone's like, well, yeah, nobody knows what the hell they're talking about. Because it's like there's only like one mention from like early Avum Secunda or something like that. Um, yeah, maybe it was something that happened in Avon Prima, maybe it was something that happened later, but whatever the case is, it was, like, so early that nobody can remember it happening. Yes. Uh, but yeah, something, something really bad happened to the fourth moon sister, and maybe it's just, like, warped out of existence, or it's sitting on somebody's desk as a paperweight, or it's just, like, it got thrown into the sun or something. Yeah, bad things, whatever it was. Yeah. I don't know. How do we end this? I feel like we've kind of been all over. It hasn't been a bad discussion, just a scattered one. Yeah, it's been scattered. And that's, I think, that just, you know, we started off trying to grapple with the really high level astromancy, but we can't talk about that. We have to talk about low level stuff. 
Well, this happens sometimes. We we try and leap into something without realizing there's about three levels of precedence that we needed yeah. to set. And like, I think that going forward, it'll be good to talk about the sciences on a more intentional, like, I don't know, maybe taking one aspect of them, like straight up biology or something and figuring out how biology fits into uh, Halime. But yeah. Future, that's that's a discussion for another yeah, future frank write down like biology or some shit yeah future frank write down yeah i don't know a couple episodes about about the sciences and and just throw them on the list yeah um honestly i i think that we've talked significantly about um who's talked significantly around astromancy and i think got to discuss kind of what we see it as and mm-hmm. where its place is in Avum Quintus, which is people are using it, and they're, us- and they're using it more and more, but they're barely scratching the surface of what it could be used for. Right. It's kind of like they're using the same one trick over and over and over again to try and answer a bunch of different solutions. Yeah, it's like, it's like using Newton's laws when... And it's like, in general, they work, but once you get to the big stuff, it's like, nope, they don't work at all, and that's what Einstein had to do. Yeah, the laws kind of like, or like the singular examples have a lot of rounding errors and they start to build up the exactly. more you use them. That's yeah. exactly it. No, I actually like that. That's a, probably a pretty good way of describing this. Okay, yeah, honestly, I think we should probably just call it. All right. So uh, thanks everybody for listening. Um, we hope you enjoyed, we hope you enjoyed this exploration of the lands of Sadar and the realms beyond. Um, maybe you even found some good material to add to your own stories. You can reach us at the Lore Keepers on Twitter, which is a, uh, Great place to keep track of our new and improved Dank Nugs uh, section. Um, you can email us at lorekeeperspodcast at gmail, uh, gmail.com. We will be still still talking about it. We will be soon be doing an episode, maybe even this next one, um, about a discussion on one of the uh, questions that somebody sent in, which is very good. Series of questions. It's also a great place to send us... Sorry. It's also a good place to send us your questions if you've got any, uh, or or maybe thoughts about the world of Halime. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts, like my favorite, Podbean. If you like us, give us a five-star rating. Helps a ton. Even better, spread the word. Tell others about us. Tell Tycho Bray. Yeah, tell your physicist friends about us. Tell your rigorous uh, Socratic friends who are in the lab all day working on pig's hearts or whatever yep, tell your drunken meese your moose uh, meese your moose yeah. you yeah. do that too much what <laughs> i have no idea where you what you're saying sometimes you just drop words and it's like i'm left trying to figure out no that's one of the things that makes you you and, exactly i'm a i'm a yeah. bit of a weirdo and it's okay yeah also, I don't know why I don't know why they call it pod bean. I never figured that one out. Like, is it a play on a word? I mean, a bean pod. You know. Oh well, I guess. Really? <laughs> it's, is that yes, the, that's, bad. That's why. That's I like the it. that's the play on words you're gonna yeah. go with pod bean. Okay, exactly. all a, right. It's, it's a bad pun, which is why I like pod bean. Speaking of Podbean, thanks to Josh Silka for his composition of Land of Heroes, the Lorekeeper's theme, and thanks to you all for listening. Until next time, don't forget, there are always more tales to tell. And they'll make more sense than this one, probably. Probably. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.